Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome to the show, MD Nation. I'm here, Dan Mater, as your host for today's show, as always. And we're going to go over the Week 3 Preview Part 2 today. We're going to be talking about the 4 o'clock, the Sunday night, and the Monday night games. And of course, as always, we have a mailbag segment from the fans at the end of the show. We even have a latest news segment that we have to get to today, which might as well continue being called the Antonio Brown latest news segment. So we're going to talk about that too. On top of all that, we have a game to recap from last night. So a lot of great things to go over in our week three matchups coming in. Of course, I got the latest injury update news for you. And in a little while later on today, I'm going to be on Sportscaster to give you guys the rankings video for week three now that the Thursday night game has gone. I like to do it after the Thursday night game so you know who's in the top 12 heading into Sunday. So we got all that coming for you and more in today. And a great show. So let's go ahead. We'll just get it dropped off because we have a lot of content we have to get to. And drop off with the latest news segment and talk about the latest Antonio Brown update. Latest news. So it's actually been a little while since we've had the latest news segment because outside of talking fantasy football and players and injury updates, there hasn't been a whole lot else going on. I mean, there's been no updates as far as the Melvin Gordon situation other than him coming out and saying that he plans on playing this season, whether it be for the Chargers or somebody else. But that's really no different than what we already knew given the Melvin Gordon situation. So we haven't had much news except for Antonio Brown just finds a way to keep making it interesting. So we had the second accuser come out earlier in the week. And and nobody knew a whole lot about the second accuser. We're still getting details as to what was going on in that situation. It was just jumping on the bandwagon if there really was a secondary incident. And then in the meantime, though, breaks late last night that apparently Antonio Brown had been sending harassing text messages to the second accuser, to people who to report pictures of her kids, uh, just a lot of really just disturbing stuff. And, you know, whether or not he's guilty of the sexual assault, this doesn't is definitely not a good look at the end of the day. And it seemed like Antonio Brown was actually going to pull ahead and maybe get in the clear after they had a 10-hour interview with the first accuser on Monday and didn't decide to put him on the exempt list after that long, thorough interview. Did decide that they were going to put in an investigation, but did not put him on the exempt list, meaning there is still a lot up in the air yet to be determined where they did not feel comfortable taking him off the field for it just yet. Now with the second accuser 
we were still trying to wrap our heads around that, trying to find out the details of that, and then it comes out right away that Antonio Brown has been harassing and threatening her. Well, not threatening, but intimidating her would be the better word here, I think. Intimidating her through text messages. Now, like I said, this is, I've said this before, this is a fantasy show, so we're not going to get into the moral area that comes with this type of story. But what we are going to do is we have to analyze what does this mean moving forward? Because now you just found yourself in a situation where Antonio Brown came into Patriots his first week with the team against the Miami Dolphins. They targeted him like he was the number one wide receiver. He was getting open on every play. He got into the end zone. It definitely looks like they want to use him as the number one guy. They had him all over the place, and now it's just the first game. Now you have this week coming up. He's definitely expected to play this week because at this point, they're not going to put him on the exempt list before the game against the Jets. So you start him this week against the Jets. The question becomes after this, because now with the second accuser and now we have evidence of harassing messages for intimidation, what does the NFL do then? Because if there wasn't a lot of information from the first accuser on Monday, necessarily put him on the exempt list, his behavior whether he's guilty of the crime or not, his behavior of the intimidating text messages, which we do have, that might be enough to possibly make him have to be on the exempt list. So if I'm an Antonio Brown owner, I think at this point, and I don't normally do this with top players, but I think at this point, you have to cut loose. You have to see if there's somebody out there willing to take the chance and trade you some valuable assets for him. Because to me, at this point, I think he's going to play this week. After this week, I don't know. After this week, I would say it's it's about a 50-50 chance that he winds up on the exempt list just reading the tea leaves of how this entire situation is playing out. And they may just take him off the field until they conduct their investigations because right now he can't keep himself out of the news in negative ways. And he's coming up with brand new ways to get into the news. Now, everything up until this point had been circumstantial, but now we have something concrete of really fearful behavior at the end of the day that the NFL is going to want to be very, very careful of, especially when it comes to no, no domestic violence, but especially when it comes to sexual assault, you know, with the women and everything else that NFL has been having to put the PR out. So like I said, I'm not here to talk about the moral area or what's right or wrong or whether we think he's guilty or innocent or any of that. I'm here to simply warn you that there's a very good chance after this week he's going to get put on the exempt list. Enough so where I would try to look to see if there's anybody in my league willing to take the chance and trade me some assets for him before this Sunday. Because at least what you can do right now is you can market to them that you know he's going to play this week so they're going to get to use him. It's going to be a question of after that. So I would trade him before Sunday if I'm an Antonio Brown owner. But with all that having said, let's go on to bigger and brighter news as we go through the rest of the preview games for week three. We're going to drop a break right here, come back on the other side. We're actually going to kick it off with the Thursday night football recap. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. So while last night's game did absolutely nothing to help the issue the NFL has had with the past Thursday games being 
less than stellar, to say it in a nice way, boring and painful and almost unworthy of watching would be the more accurate way to describe it at the end of the day. It wasn't actually as bad as the past two Thursdays. Now, it didn't help with the weather. It was kind of as if the weather went, hey, you know what? This game needs to be even more ugly. Let's have a big thunderstorm in the first half and make it almost impossible to do anything. Jacksonville, at the end of the day, comes out on top in this one, 20-7. And it just wasn't a pretty game, but there are some interesting fantasy notes to take out of this week. So, first of all, let's start off with the Tennessee Titans side of the ball. Because you, everyone would have played Derrick Henry. And it's the third week in a row, Derrick Henry finds the end zone. But that touchdown pretty much saved his fantasy day in this one. 17 carries, 44 yards, and the touchdown, he gets you 10 points for it. Wasn't involved in the passing game outside of one catch for two yards on two targets. That was it. Um, You know, Derrick Henry, you were hoping, like, could he recapture the magic that he had against Jacksonville a season ago? But as I kind of was leaning towards and thought Jacksonville's defense looked like they came out in this game against a division rival and had a chip on their shoulder, had revenge in their minds, especially against Derrick Henry, because whenever he touched the ball, they flew to him. They tackled him. They gang-tackled him. They were not letting him get free, and it shows by his 2.6 yards per carry in this one. But he was able to find the end zone, so he salvages your fantasy day and still gives you probably what's going to wind up be somewhere in the vicinity of RB2, maybe higher end RB3 type numbers for the game. So he salvaged your day. You didn't, you're not going to now lose because of Derrick Henry. As far as everybody else goes for the Tennessee Titans, Adam Humphreys was actually the lead wide receiver for them in this one. He had nine targets, tied with the most with Delaney Walker, six catches, 93 yards. Delaney Walker had seven catches and 64 yards off of his nine targets. So for PPR purposes, they did pretty well. Adam Humphreys is nobody who should be rostering, nobody should be thinking of playing anyway. But Delaney Walker was starting in a lot of leagues, and if you're in PPR, you're fine with it. Even if you're in standard leagues, you still got six points out of your tight end. At the end of the day, that's a serviceable mark in a standard league. That's not going to lose your weeks. That's actually going to keep up and score with most of the tight ends in the league outside of, you know, playing some of the top five or so from this year so thus far, as there's been some good tight end play. But Delaney Walker, at the end of the day, is able to be serviceable. A lot of it came in garbage time. A lot of it came in the fourth quarter when they were trying to go no huddle. And then Delaney Walker was just kind of like running a little three-yard hitches. And they were just hitting it, dumping it down to him to pick up what yards they could because everybody else was covering deep. That's pretty much what it came down to. But at the end of the day, Delaney Walker is the most consistent pass catcher for the Tennessee Titans. I'm While I'm rostering A.J. Brown, and you probably have to roster Corey Davis, I'm still not at the point where I feel comfortable starting either one of them. And I wasn't going to start either one of them in this matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars anyway. Mariota is still not streamable. And after last night's game... I'm not 100% sure Mariota's still going to be the starter. They're talking about it in Tennessee already. Now, at the end of the day, he didn't play horribly, but he didn't play great either. I mean, he doesn't turn over the ball, does throw for 300 yards, but couldn't find couldn't find the end zone, was only a little over 50% of completion percentage with his passes. This was a tough matchup. It was a tough defense. You knew it was going to be an ugly game. At the end of the day, they just weren't able to get enough done. We will have to see what happens between that. There still just seems to be a lot of buzz with the Titans on the inside the organization of sort of looking for a reason to play Ryan Tannehill. Now, I'm not sure what Ryan Tannehill's ever done 
to warrant that kind of discussion as is maybe they're just tired of Marcus Mariota. I don't know. I don't think Marcus Mariota has played bad this season, especially not bad enough to put in Ryan Tannehill. Like that's going to be some kind of an improvement in any way. And Ryan Tannehill goes in. I mean, nothing fantasy wise changes around you as far as Derrick Henry or Delaney Walker goes or the potential future of an AJ Brown, who I think will emerge as the number one wide receiver on this team, uh, hands down at some point this season. And you'll be able to play him in some games. But outside of that, it doesn't change anything for that. It's just it would just be a change at quarterback, just the name, but really the same skill set, uh, short to intermediate throws and some mobility. I mean, so I don't know what the difference would be. I don't know why they would bench him. But Marcus Mario is still not relevant as far as fantasy purposes, even though in this game he did tack on 34 yards rushing. On the Jackson Jaguars side of the ball, everyone wants to love Gardner Minshew. That's fine. And from an NFL standpoint, he played pretty well last night. But from a fantasy standpoint, he shows you why he still has a low ceiling and why he's still not a streamable quarterback. Now, this wasn't an easy matchup against the Tennessee Titans by no means. They have a good defense. But... He's not a guy who's going to throw for 300 yards or three touchdowns very often. He's not a guy who, while he's mobile, is going to rush for 40 to 60 yards in a game very often. He's a guy who does a little bit of everything, but on a lesser degree. And that's why I don't think he's really a streamable quarterback at the end of the day. I don't think he has a ceiling he can really bite into. But what he does do is offer the ability for other people on the team to be fantasy relevant. And we also know that if he continues to play like this, like he has the past few weeks, he will be the starter until Nick Foles comes back in week 11. And that would affect DJ Shark. Because with DJ Shark, he definitely has rapport with Gardner Minshew. This is the third week in a row that he scored in this game. Four catches, 76 yards on five targets. Finding the end zone, he does not have that same rapport with Nick Foles. So we will have to see... If Nick Foles truly is able to come back from his broken collarbone this season around week 11, week 12 is what they keep talking about as a possibility of a date of return. We'll have to see if that happens. And also we have to see, Minshew keeps playing well. Look, the contract that they paid Nick Foles might have to put him back in the game. But at the end of the day, I think Minshew might be better. Frank, at the end of the day, he might be better. He can run. He's definitely more mobile, so he can help him out that way. And... He's probably putting up the same type of stats we would see Nick Foles put up right now. As far as having a decent completion percentage, not a ton of yards, maybe a couple touchdowns here and there, and that would be about it. I think Minshew's better. I do. So but we'll have to see what happens. Like I said, with the contract that Nick Foles signed, he's probably going to have to start again. And when that happens, it will go back to, I think, D.D. Westbrook being the one receiver from Jacksonville you can maybe play fantasy-wise rather than D.J. Chark, who's the one receiver that I would play as long as Gardner Minshew's the starter for fantasy purposes. Now, D.D. Westbrook was targeted the most in this one. Used them mostly as gadget plays. Used them in a lot of motion, tried to get him the ball underneath. Just tried to get a lot of drags. So he was targeted a lot. He was, there was definitely a game plan to try to use him, to try to use his speed as a mismatch. You don't see that very often out of the Jaguars. I don't know if that's going to continue. But even with all that, he still only winds up with five catches for 46 yards. Now, he dropped the touchdown. He It was a really nice throw by Minshew. Didi had both his hands on it, and he flat out dropped it. So his game, he should have had a much better day here because he should have had a touchdown on top of it. But doesn't wasn't able to make the play. And as a result, DJ Chark, once again, was the number one wide receiver. He's somebody who definitely needs to be owned. I put him in the waiver wire segment. I talked about how I was pivoting towards him being the one Jacksonville Jaguar receiver you might want to have over D.D. Westbrook as long as Minshew is the starter. 
that continues to be the case. It was just compacted by the fact that it's the third week in a row he scored a touchdown. He should be at least owned. And I think in the right matchups, you can play him with some confidence as your wide receiver three, as your flex play in certain matchups, especially with the bye weeks and injuries that we've had, uh, bye weeks coming up and the injuries that we've had thus far at the receiver position specifically. So that's why I think he's going to have some value here coming up. And we're going to get into some of these preview matchups and talk about some of the injuries of why he might have some value going into week four. So first up, we got to talk about for our preview is we got the Carolina Panthers and the Arizona Cardinals. Now for this game, of course, we have Cam Newton, who's not expected to play. He hasn't practiced at all this week. I'm it, I'm recording this Friday morning, so I am still waiting for the injury report to come out today because the, the word around camp was that if he was able to practice at all this week, he may have a chance to play. So right now, the expectation is that Kyle Allen is going to be the starter, not Cam Newton, but... We still have to wait to see what happens today. Just keep your eye on that. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at MDSFFshow. I'll have that notification out to you guys as soon as I find out what the word is. With Kyle Allen, it's really hard to know what to expect. Because on one hand, you're playing against the Arizona Cardinals, which is a great matchup for all of your fantasy players involved. Now, Christian McCaffrey's as safe as they come. Obviously, you start CMC. The question is, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Greg Olson, what is their relative expectation at the end of the day. I have DJ Moore in PPR leagues and half-point PPR leagues. I have him in my top 25 wide receivers at the moment. In standard leagues, I have him at 31. So I'm telling you that he's pretty much a a high-end wide receiver three. If it's half-point or full-point PPR, he can maybe still be a low-end wide receiver two because you're going to bring in a young quarterback. He's going to look for certain targets more so than not. He's going to look for his number one wide receiver, DJ Moore. He's going to look for, I think, Greg Olson. And then, of course, Christian McCaffrey's the safety blanket out of the backfield. The guy who winds up being the odd man out is Curtis Samuel. Now, Curtis Samuel has a great matchup against his Cardinals secondary. We know Arizona likes to go up-tempo offense, which also in turn gives extra possessions to the opposing offense. So extra possessions should go to the Carolina Panthers here. So there could be enough of a volume that Curtis Samuel is able to carve out a nice little piece for himself too. And with Curtis Samuel, we know it only takes one play. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. At this point right now, Kylan Allen might have a better arm than Cam Newton just because Cam's dealing with the shoulder injury. You could say what you want about his foot. His velocity's done in his arm too. So Kyle Allen might have the better arm here. He, Curtis Samuel might actually be set up to be able to hit a big play in this instance, especially against this defense in this situation. So he's somebody who I do think is worthy of a flyer, but right now I do have him ranked in my mid-40s at the wide receiver position, pretty much across all scoring formats at the moment. So it's not a chance I want to take unless you feel like you absolutely have to, but I do think he can still be a flyer for you. DJ Moore, I think you have to start him. He's been, especially if you're in PPR leagues, he's been a wide receiver receiver two for you 
I expect the volume to still be there at the end of the day in this game going into Arizona. I expect the Carolina Panthers to have to put up points. He'll be the number one read for the backup quarterback a lot of times, so I do think there's a certain floor that you can sink your teeth into there. I don't know if he scores. I don't know if he's possible to get a big play, but I do think he'll get enough to be at least a wide receiver three, low-end wide receiver two for you in PPR leagues. In standard leagues, I would maybe see if there's a better option out there for you because I don't know what his chances of going for 100 yards or a touchdown would be in this game. I think they'd kind of be on the slim side. So I would see if you have better options. But at the end of the day, you drafted him probably to be your wide receiver too. You probably don't have a better options. And it's still a good matchup. So it could be the saving grace. We just we haven't seen too much of Kyle Allen. In fact, it was kind of surprising that it wasn't Will Greer because that's who we saw more in the preseason. So it, we haven't seen too much of Kyle Allen, especially in NFL action. So it's going to be a lot of question marks of you know how what we expect to come out of this. Greg Olson had a great game last week. Again, he's another guy who has a great matchup this week. I do think he's a little bit safer. First of all, he's a tight end, so there's not as many tight ends to go out and grab. And against the Arizona Cardinals, this is the matchup that I would want to try to play Greg Olson if I'm ever going to play him. Yes, it stinks that he's not going to have Cam Newton, but he's still going to be the main red zone target. He's still going to be the guy who operates predominantly in the middle of the field. So I do think Greg Olson, in his own right, has a nice floor and has touchdown capability in this matchup, even with the backup quarterback. So a lot of times, young quarterbacks come in. A lot lot of the reads are going to go to tight ends. They like to go to the running backs as a safety blanket. So I think Greg Olson is somebody who can still play as a tight end one in this matchup if need be. On the Arizona Cardinals side of the ball, Kyler Murray, while he hasn't been great, especially hasn't been good for NFL purposes, but hasn't been fantastic for fantasy purposes, hasn't run a lot, hasn't has only thrown two touchdowns so far, because he didn't turn the ball over last week and went over 300 yards, he was still able to get 18 points. The game before that, he was still able to get you just plus over 20. So you're talking 18 to 20 points, that makes you a streaming quarterback. This is a matchup against the Carolina Panthers at home. I'm not too worried about it. I do think he's going to have a lot of situations where he's going to have to run for his life because I do think that Carolina pass rush will be able to dominate the offensive line, which frankly isn't saying much because I don't know if there's going to be a game this year that that Arizona Cardinals offensive line doesn't get dominated. Having said all that, they're susceptible in the secondary. Things might be a little bit easier for them to open up, and I do think he's somebody that you can possibly stream. However, I have other quarterbacks that are much higher on my list for streamability, like Matthew Stafford, like Jameis Winston, like Josh Allen this week, that I would much rather play over Kyler Murray. So I don't think he's somebody you're playing, or I don't think he's somebody that you should have to play. Unless you are that desperate at quarterback position, unless everyone in your league is just stashing a couple quarterbacks in a one-quarterback league, I that would be the only way I could see you wanting to actually play Kyler Murray this week. But what I am telling you is I do think there is a floor there that can get you by if you have to. David Johnson, obviously you have to play him. I'm always scared when I'm playing David Johnson, though. If I'm a David Johnson owner, I'm kind of taking advantage of the fact that he scored the last two weeks, and I'm going to say, hey, you know what? What can I get for you? Because that almost line so bad. It's so bad. They're getting him involved. Yes, he's getting a high volume, but at the end of the day, the volume is the only thing you can sink your teeth into. It's the only thing that might be able to save you. He's just not going to get a lot of room to be able to operate, to be able to be the big play I don't see how he gets 1,000 yards rushing this season. Maybe he gets 1,000 yards passing out of necessity. I mean, we'll see. But honestly, I would take advantage of the fact that he scored the last two weeks, and I would see if I could pawn him off for maybe if you need a wide receiver one or maybe if you need a 
running back one, high end running back two, who I think maybe just has more upside moving forward in the future. I would maybe look to see what you can get out of David Johnson. I think he's a sell high candidate because I think things are only going to get worse as far as the run game goes for the Arizona Cardinals for David Johnson purposes. Larry Fitzgerald in this game, you have to play him. He's been a you know he's been 100 yards and a touchdown wide receiver the first two weeks. He could wind up doing the same thing again this week. Uh, it's a decent matchup here. You're not really afraid of the Carolina secondary. You know there's going to be a lot of volume heading his way. You know if nothing else, at least in the fourth quarter, this offense will try to come to play. So at the end of the day, Larry Fitzgerald is actually a pretty safe wide receiver too right now that you have to play in all lineups and all scoring formats. Christian Kirk's the only other wide receiver that I would think about playing in this one. I like him much more in PPR leagues. I don't think he's a guy who has a particularly high ceiling when it comes to having the possibility to score a touchdown, especially this week. But he is somebody who is going to get probably six to eight targets in this game. Maybe it turns into five to six catches. So at the end of the day, I think in PPR leagues, I think he has a decent floor that you can sink your teeth into against the Carolina Panthers uh, this particular week. Outside of that, I'm not playing anybody else in the wide receiving core for the Arizona Cardinals. That includes Michael Crabtree or anybody else. And there's nobody at the tight end position that I want to talk about either. So that brings us into our next game that we have to talk about, which is the Giants and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And surprisingly for a game that has two kind of really bad teams at the moment, there's a lot of fantasy value going to be heading going around this game. First of all, we have to start with the big you know, topical news, which is Daniel Jones is going to be the starter over Eli Manning. It actually happened a lot faster than I thought it was going to, but after watching the first two weeks, why not? Because it's between the Giants and the Dolphins right now for that number one pick. Now, I do think the Giants actually have a chance to win a game at some point this season where I don't think the Dolphins do at all. But at the same time, you're going to be in the top three. We already know this as the Giants. So why bother wasting any more time with Eli Manning? Throw Daniel Jones out there. Throw your rookie out there and then see what you got. See what you got to do. So they're going to do that starting this week. It's a good matchup to do that on because you're going against Tampa Bay. They don't have a very good defense. Now, at the same time, Todd Bowles has been doing a very good job coaching that defense because there's not a lot of talent on that side of the ball, but schematically, the defense has been pretty sound. They've been able to create situations. We always know Todd Bowles is going to blitz, but he's able to get opportunities off the blitz. That's the key because that secondary is awful. So in order to hide that, you have to be able to get into the backfield on a consistent basis and not be able to sit back and pick apart the secondary. Because the second team does that, you're going to see how bad that back four really are on Tampa Bay. Which I don't think at the end of the day, if they can find a way to protect Daniel Jones, this isn't the worst game to put him in. Because he actually might have some easier reads than he normally would. Saquon, Saquon, you're obviously... Josh Major RB1, he'll be fine. Tampa Bay is a little bit harder to run on, but Saquon's done nothing but run on tough defenses so far. Dallas Cowboys in Week 1, Buffalo Bills in Week 2. Those weren't easy run defenses either. He went over 100 yards in both of those games. I would expect nothing less. And of all the Giants, he's the one who has the best chance to find the end zone. So no worries about Saquon Barkley in this game. Sterling Shepard is supposed to come back and play this week. He's back from concussion protocol, practice in full on Thursday. He is reportedly going to be good to go. I like Sterling Shepard as a mid-level wide receiver three in full-point PPR leagues only. I do think they're going to have to get him the ball. He's going to be the number one read. So for the rookie quarterback, that's big. So he's going to be the guy that they go to here. Darius Slayton is still not going to be back, so it's still going to be Sterling Shepard and maybe TJ Jones is the other wide receiver because Cody Lattimore is out with a concussion, and he's not expected to come back this week. So it's going to be Sterling Shepard 
Evan Ingram. That's going to be the passing attack as far as the pass catchers down the field go that are not named Saquon Barkley. I think you can start Shepard as a wide receiver three in your PPR leagues. Evan Ingram, obviously tight end one. You play him, period. Uh, he's, got, he's got a good chance to score in this game. It's a good matchup for him. I expect him to be heavily involved. Evan Ingram should be competing for that top five tight end spot heading into this week in this matchup. On the Buccaneers side of the ball now that we have, and I'm whew, taking deep breaths because I'm talking, I have so much information to get to you guys. Uh, <laughs> on the Bama Bay Buccaneers side of the ball, we have Jameis Winston. Now, Jameis Winston is my number two streaming quarterback this week. He's actually in, I was trying to find it here, but he's actually in my top 10 this particular week. Look, it's against the Giants. He played, and I, I talked about this in a couple episodes this week leading up in the recap show, and I, I mentioned a little bit yesterday when I mentioned that he's going to be one of my streaming quarterbacks. He played a lot better as far as NFL standards go a week ago against Carolina. He made better decisions. He let the game come to him. He didn't force the issue on anything. So those all positive signs, all positive signs going in the right direction. The thing that comes next is the fantasy production. Because he didn't have fantasy production in that game. He just played better from an NFL general standpoint. So what you're looking for out of Jameis Winston is the ability for him to get back on track, for that offense to get back on track. Now, there's no better option, no better matchup than, I mean, maybe outside of the Dolphins, but then the New York Giants to try to get your offense back going right on the track that you want them to go to. And by the way, I have Jameis Winston as my number six quarterback this week. That's right, number six. They're going to bounce back. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard, They're too much, too many good weapons against the New York Giants. This offense expects to be a high-scoring offense, an offense that expects to be able to play vertical. They are going to look to get back on track to do what it is that they came into the season to be able to do against the New York Giants because it's the perfect game to get that confidence going, to light that spark, and to get moving in the right direction. I believe this will be the game where we see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense break out and be closer to what we expected them to be all offseason long with the weapons that they have in the Bruce Arian system. And I think there's a good chance that Jameis Winston is going to be a top 10 quarterback for you because, like I said, I have him ranked number six overall heading into this week. Of course, I like Evans. Of course, I like Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin's actually my second wide receiver in PPR leagues right now. He's in my top three across all scoring formats because uh, leading up to this point, while Tampa Bay's offense hasn't been quite up to snuff, the entire time Chris Godwin has been as dependable and as electric as they come. He scored in the last two weeks. He's actually been the more efficient target over Mike Evans thus far at this point. Now, part of me thinks that's, this, that's why this game is going to be so good because they're going to get the ball going back to Mike Evans. They're going to get O.J. Howard involved too. But being that Chris Godwin's been so dependable and has a plus matchup in a game that I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to look to get right and play aggressively throughout the entire game, no matter what the score is, I really love Chris Godwin in this one. So I have him in my top three uh, wide receivers overall. So he's going to be a wide receiver one for me. And I have Mike Evans number six. So I have both of these guys in the top ten Heading into this week, I think they're both going to be electric in this matchup. And even O.J. Howard, who I don't have ranked inside my top 15. I'm telling you to bench O.J. Howard at the end of the day. But if you want to play him, if you want to hold out hope for one more week, I would say that this is the week that you can go ahead and see if he can get right. Where you can start him and know that because of the matchup, because the offense is going to want to play aggressively in this one, especially at home, 
I would I would say I'm willing to take a chance one more week on OJ Howard. Now, if he doesn't do anything against the Giants, you, you got to cut tail and bail. And I kind of told you guys last week that you can go ahead and drop OJ Howard if you have other options on the waiver wire that you need to pick up to help your team right now. But if you still have him and you're still holding out hope for him and you know keeping in mind the talent that he is, this is the week where go ahead, take a flyer on him. If he doesn't do anything for you this week, you cut tail and run. Plain and simple. But it wouldn't surprise me if O.J. Howard wound up being a top 10 tight end this week, even though I have him ranked as number 17. Peyton Barber. If Peyton Barber is able to get 20 carries again like he did last week, then Peyton Barber might wind up having a decent game in this one. He had a decent game last week against Carolina, who I think has a much better front four. He should have a decent matchup here. They're at home going against the Giants off the defense. excuse me, And I think... He showed last week that there's definitely a discrepancy between him and Ronald Jones. Now, week one, it looked like Ronald Jones was maybe making the case to take over the job. And then not only did he not even have anywhere close to an even split with Peyton Barber, but they gave Peyton Barber the rock 23 times. And in a game in which I expect them to be leading by multiple scores, especially when we get to the second half, to me that screams they're going to give the, Peyton, the ball to Peyton Barber a lot to close out the game, especially in the fourth quarter. And if he gets up to 20 carries again, I wouldn't be surprised if he got you somewhere between 60 and 80 yards and he was able to find the end zone. So this is going to be one of the few matches where I'm sitting there and I'm like, yeah, you can play Peyton Barber as a flex play and actually feel like it might be an okay decision at the end of the day and not feel like, like oh, it's just going to be a death by a thousand paper cuts like it normally is when you have to play a guy like Peyton Barber. This is going to be the one match where I'm like, you know, go ahead and play him. There's a decent chance he winds up with a decent game, a decent floor for you in this one, especially if he's going to get the rock about 20 times, which he very well could if they're not going to get Ronald Jones more involved. And they should have had, and if they were going to have Ronald Jones more involved moving forward, then they should have had him involved last week. So that's why I have confidence that there is going to be a discrepancy in touches between Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones continuing into this matchup. Next preview we want to talk about is the Houston Texans and the Los Angeles Chargers. This is going to be another good game to watch. Another another game with a lot of fantasy points on the line here. Deshaun Watson, top 10 quarterback for me every single week, obviously. So I love Deshaun Watson in this matchup. Chargers have been susceptible, especially to the pass. Now, they played well against Detroit a week ago, but... They haven't played a quarterback like Deshaun Watson. They haven't played an offense with this many weapons. They haven't been great against the run, which is why I also kind of like Carlos Hyde as a sneaky little play here. I think he, I have him raised an RB3. I think you can play Carlos Hyde as a flex against the Los Angeles Chargers right now. Their run defense hasn't been particularly great. And the way Carlos Hyde has been running the ball, the way the Houston Texas offense has been using him, I think he's somebody who can play in your flex uh, this week in in almost any scoring format too. I think at PPR, you might want to try to find a better option or there might be a better option. But the end, and because Carlos Hyde is really more of a floor play at the end of the day, but I think you can go ahead and play Carlos Hyde in your flex. Duke Johnson, you got to ride the bench. You do. Duke Johnson has to ride the bench. After last week, only getting seven total touches, not looking like he was involved in the offense at all. That was a low-scoring, close game all the way through, and they never really got Duke Johnson involved. Never did. Now, he played a decent amount, but they never got him involved. To me, I think it looks like Duke Johnson's a backup running back again. Talked about this in the recap show. I don't know how he has the worst luck in the world. But he does. He never. Every time he finds himself in a situation where he's supposed to get more touches, it never winds up working out and going his way. And the same thing has happened here. He's the backup guy. I don't know how you play Duke Johnson with any confidence right now, even though you drafted him to be your RB2 in PPR leagues, especially 
There's no way I have, there's no way I have Duke Johnson out there right now. Not none whatsoever. DeAndre, Hop- <coughs> excuse me, DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, you play DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins is going to be top four wide receiver. I have him rated at the Chargers. Cameron Hayward has not been the shutdown Hayward that we have known over the past few years early on in this season. Wide receiver ones have been able to beat him, have been able to score on him. So he's not the shutdown guy that he used to be right now. And DeAndre Hopkins didn't have a great game last week, so I suspect they'll get him more involved this week. I even like Will Fuller here as a big-time play. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. He's been playing well. He actually should have had a better week last week. There was a bomb play that Deshaun Watson just overthrew him on. But had he been able to make that play, he would have had a much different stat line in that one too. I think you are going to be able to take advantage of the backside corner on the Chargers in that secondary. So I think Will Fuller has a very good opportunity to get a big play in this game. And he is somebody who I could definitely see taking a flyer on and putting in your flex and expecting having a reasonable expectation that you're going to be able to hit a home run ball off of that. So I like Will Fuller quite a bit coming up in this matchup. I like him for DFS purposes if you're looking for him there. I think the Texans are going to go vertical in this game against the Chargers. I think this might be a high-scoring game at that, too. There's nobody else on the Texans I'm looking to playing fantasy-wise. Not Kenny Stills, not Kiki Kute. They're there more so to distract the defense away from DeAndre Hopkins, from Will Fuller. No tight ends to really talk about there either. So let's move on to the Los Angeles Chargers. You got Phillip Rivers. I think he's a quarterback 14 this week. So he's somebody who, if you need to stream, I think he's streamable. Playing against the Houston Texans, it's a good matchup. They don't have a secondary anymore. This is a defense that's going to be pretty bad throughout the entire season, especially against teams that have weapons like the Chargers do. So I think Phillip Rivers is going to be a safe play for you in this one. I think he's got a good shot to get you somewhere in that 18-point range at the very least. And he has some upside that comes with that as well because Keenan Allen and Mike Williams have great matchups. Keenan Allen's been superb so far throughout the first couple of weeks. I expect him to be a PPR monster again in this one. And Mike Williams, who was dealing with a little bit of a knee injury last week, is off of the injury report altogether, practicing in full. And even last week, he was supposed to be dealing with it. He still had 83 yards and a nice 60-yard catch. I think Mike Williams is due for a touchdown. He hasn't scored in the first two weeks. He has a great matchup here. I think this is the game where you're going to see Mike Williams actually emerge as the wide receiver, too. Remember, there's still no Hunter Henry. So other than Keen Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, there's really nobody else the ball has to go to. So I think Mike Williams in this one is going to score. I think he's 
got a good shot at 100 yards. He's somebody who I think has big upside in this matchup and has a good floor to go with him because I think it's going to be hard-pressed to see him not get at least 60 to 80 yards in this one. So I think six to eight points in standard leagues with three to four catches. So you're talking about a guy who's going to be at least a wide receiver three for you, but I think high-end wide receiver two upside in this matchup because he's due for a touchdown and the matchup is there. So I do like Mike Williams quite a bit in this week. Allison Eckler has been the second best running back to Dalvin Cook in fantasy football. I mean, you're starting him, case closed. They're continuing to give him way more touches than Justin Jackson. Now, Justin Jackson actually would have had a nice game had his touchdown, his long touchdown run not been called back on an offensive holding call. So Justin Jackson's actually been pretty is has been better than his stat line over the past two weeks has shown, but the touches is where you want to look at. And while I thought maybe in week two they would come back, get Justin Jackson a little bit more involved because I did not believe they really wanted to give Austin Eckler 18 to 20 touches every single week. I don't, didn't think that was really part of their game plan. After him seeing play so well for the past two weeks, I don't know why it would suddenly change this week. So Austin Eckler, especially in PPR, is a top three running back overall for you right now. So he obviously has to go in all leagues. I'm still trying to own Justin Jackson if I possibly can, especially if I'm an Austin Eckler owner. But even if I'm anybody else, I'm trying, still trying to own uh, Justin Jackson because at the end of the day, I, Austin Eckler has injury history. I have a hard time believing he's going to be able to hold up in the long run if he continues to get touches at this clip. But for this week, I think you should be good to go. But Justin Jackson is one of those guys where if you have the extra roster spot heading into Sunday and you're looking for somebody to stash and pick up and try to get ahead of the curve, which is something I like to do quite a bit of if I have the capability to do so, Justin Jackson's that guy who I'm like, I'm going to pick you up. If anything happens, I already have you. I don't have to fight for you on the waiver wires come the following week, and you're going to be really good when you're out on the field. He fits that mold to a T. So I would be looking to try to roster him for those reasons, but I'm not playing him this week with any expectation that he's going to do very well for me in fantasy purposes. He just has too low of a floor because the touches haven't been there yet. We're going to take a quick break right here. We're going to come back on the other side. We have a few more games to preview, and then, of course, we got the mailbag segment at the end. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at UnwrappedSports.com. Again, that's UnwrappedSports.com. Coming out of the break here, we have the Steelers and the 49ers that I want to go ahead and dive into. Look, this game is going to be interesting as we get to see Mason Rudolph now come in for Ben Roethlisberger. And how is this offense going to work? How is the fantasy value, more importantly, going to be able to hold up? And my answer to that question is going to hold up just fine. Mason Rudolph is a better quarterback than I think most people want to give him credit for. He has a good arm. He throws a good ball. I think he has a good grasp in his offense. He's been on the year on the team now for a couple of seasons, so he has a good firm grasp of the offensive scheme. And I think at the end of the day, the best thing for the Steelers would be, and has been even with Ben Roethlisberger as a starter, to get back to being more balanced. They haven't done that yet. Against the Patriots, they fell down early. They tried to get back in that game, so part of that had to do with game script. Last week against the Seahawks, they just came out throwing. They came out playing as if they were down right off the bat. They refused to use James Conner as much as they should. They refused to be a more balanced offense. They refused to run Pittsburgh Steelers football. 
I mean, they're just coming out in five wide in the most retarded situations. And I've talked about this plenty of times before. Where they'll come out ten, within 10 yards, third and one, and go five wide. And not even have the threat of a running back back there. You have James Conner. You have one of the young, budding stars at the running back position in the game. And yet, there's still one of the, nope, we're going to go Ben Robsberger. He's Tom Brady out there. We're going to go five wide. We got to give everything we can. No. Be more balanced. And with Mason Rudolph in there, I think it will force them to beat. And I think that's going to make their offense more efficient. And so with Mason Rudolph, with better play calling, at least that's what I'm hoping for at this point, I think it's going to force them to be at least more balanced. I think everyone will have their fantasy values be just fine. I think James Conner might even get a boost at the end of the day with with this move. I think Juju Smith-Schuster is still going to be a high-end wide receiver two, low-end wide receiver one. I don't think he's going to be somebody you have to shy away from. He definitely belongs in your starting lineups. Dante Moncrief and James Washington, that's the one where we have to see how that shakes out. Because from what I have been told, as bad as Dante Moncrief has played for the past two weeks, and I was a big I was a big guy on Moncrief. Moncrief was one of my sleeper wide receivers. And what I didn't expect for him was to get the yips and forget how to catch the ball. That wasn't something I was expecting out of him. I wasn't expecting him to be a consistent wide receiver play week to week, but I thought he was somebody in certain matchups you were going to be able to play and hope that he gets you in the touchdown and hope he got you a big play here and there. Instead, he's turned into somebody who you're just hoping he catches the ball when it's thrown in his direction. But from everything that I have been told and know to this point is that Dante Moncrief is still going to be expected to be the starting wide receiver opposite of Juju Smith-Schuster over James Washington. Now, we all know it's been well documented from really anywhere you go when they talk about football that Mason Rudolph, James Washington already have rapport because they go back to college. And that's true. I'm still not, even if that happens, even if James Washington winds up overtaking Dante Moncrief sooner rather than later, I, I don't know if I'm starting anybody fantasy-wise. I'm not rostering Dante Moncrief. I'm not rostering James Washington right now. I'm going to have to see something shake out on the offensive side of the ball. I'm going to have to see Mason Rudolph on a more consistent basis. I'm going to have to see if that offense does change up their play calling. But at the end of the day, you're definitely not playing either one of them this week. And I don't know if I'm going to bother rostering either one either. A lot of people want to go ahead and pick up James Washington. They think he's going to be a sleeper. Look, I've said this before. I've been on this show. I seem to be one of the few who thinks this way. I don't really care. James Washington does not strike somebody to me who I think is that good at football. I don't. I'm not impressed with his skill set. He's called a big play deep threat guy. He ran a 4-6. Like, he doesn't have that speed. He has decent route running ability. He has decent physical attributes. But he's not a burner. He's a guy who can sometimes get deep. Sometimes. Against a shoddy cornerback on the other side. Which they have those matchups sometimes. Now, if he were to get more involved as far as running a full route tree, as being a more feature type of wide receiver who's more than a one-trick pony, which I think is all they actually use him for at this moment, and maybe that happens with Mason Rudolph. Maybe that happens with the report that they have. Maybe that happens if James Washington winds up overtaking the job over Dante Moncrief. But those are all things that we're going to have to see first before we have any confidence in even thinking about possibly playing a James Washington or Dante Moncrief right now. And I'm not rostering either one of them. I'm not wasting a roster spot. To me, Juju Smith-Schuster, James Conner, Vance McDonald. Those are your fantasy-relevant players on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Those guys all get to hold their value from what you had drafted them for with Mason Rudolph. I don't think it changes a whole hell of a lot with Ben Roethlisberger gone. So a lot of people are looking what there's going to be extra value at. I think it's going to be a wait-and-see option. I'm not going to bother the waste of roster spot on either one of them just now. Those are my three guys for fantasy purposes. And... I'm starting all three of those guys because Vance McDonald actually have him. He was my number five tight end last week, and a lot of people got on me about that, and I was like, ha, scored two touchdowns, finished in the top five. I was like, told you. 
Vance McDonald's is somebody who gets a little bit streaky at times, but with Mason Rudolph showing that he threw him the two touchdowns, Vance McDonald, once again, in this matchup against the San Francisco 49ers, who are susceptible to bigger plays, who are going to be susceptible to a guy like Vance McDonald in the red zone, I have him as a top five tight end again. I do think he gets in the red zone, so I'm definitely playing Vance McDonald. On the 49ers side of the ball, I don't think they're going to have as good of a week as they did last week for fantasy purposes. A lot of people want to play Raheem Mostert. Now, he was still my guy that I think you should go ahead and pick up because you know he's going to get a decent amount of touches and an emergency flex play due to injury that you may have. Uh, He's somebody that you can play knowing that he's at least going to get somewhat of the workload. But with him and Matt Breida splitting touches, with Jeff Wilson Jr. now being the goal line back when they actually do get inside, where neither one of Matt Breida or Raheem Mostert seem to have a chance to touch the ball inside the ten because of Kyle Shanahan going with Jeff Wilson Jr. now. I'm starting Matt Breida in a flex situation because he's a starter on that team, and he's good, and he's explosive, so it only takes one play. Outside of that, I'm not playing Raheem Mostert. Jeff Wilson Jr., not going to play. I would maybe take a shot on him in DFS just because he's like $3,000 on DraftKings right now, and you know that if they get in close, he might fall in the end zone for a couple touchdowns. So if you want to go like really, really cheap to be able to pay up in other places, it's kind of interesting to me there, but he's nobody I'm going to start in redraft. And even there, that's just, you know, just trying to take a flyer in a tournament play, basically. But no, it's going to be Matt Breida. I'm not going to play anybody else. And even Matt Breida, I'm going to simmer my expectations on. The Steelers are not an easy team to run on. They have a pretty good front seven. The way you beat them is usually by spreading them out and beating with the slot receiver, which is why I do think Debo Samuel has decent value going into this matchup. Look, <clears throat> Dante Pettis came out. They were supposed to get him more involved. Technically, they, he did because he only played two snaps in week one. He definitely played a lot more than that in week two, but it was supposed to come at the cost of Debo Samuel, and that wasn't the case. Debo Samuel was out there. He was the starter. They utilized him the most. He was the most targeted pass catcher for the 49ers a, a week ago. And against the Steelers, he is the one who has the matchup. The slot receiver is the one who can beat the Pittsburgh Steelers nor, nor times not. And I know you're going to say, well, like, well, they just drafted or they just traded for Minka Fitzpatrick, who's a great slot corner. He's going to play safety for the Steelers. He's not going to play corner for, for the Steelers. So he's not going to be there in the slot. They're still going to play their base formations for whatever crazy retarded reason on Mike Tomlin's side, who I think his feet needs, needs to start getting held to the fire a little bit more than they do. Uh, they're going to keep playing their base formations against, you know, three wide sets which means there's going to be a linebacker on the slot receiver. It's a mismatch. It is. It's a a total and complete mismatch. Now, if they're going to use Mika Fitzpatrick differently where he's going to play safety, but also when they go three receivers wide, instead of putting the linebacker on there, maybe they slide him in and then bring Minka up as a safety and play Terrell Edmonds back. Maybe that'll help. But we have to see them actually do something like that before we actually know what that's what to expect. For now, we know they're going to continue playing their base formations because if they weren't, Fitzpatrick would be their slot corner or playing their corner in general and not playing as their safety, which is what he's doing. So it tells me nothing's really much has changed schematically for the Steelers. Slot receiver is the guy you can usually go to. So I think Debo might have a decent game in this one. And George Kittle, of course, you're starting him without question, even though he's been disappointing a little bit for the past two weeks. But I do think there's a good chance he winds up getting back on track in this one. I do think George Kittle finds the end zone. Outside of that, I'm not playing anybody else. And even Matt Breida, like I said, he's a flex play to me only. I think you might have better matchups. And I don't like Jimmy G as a streaming quarterback this week. I think there are a lot of other better options. I think the Steelers are going to surprise a lot of people, and I think they're going to win this game. I think a lot of people are writing them off without Ben Roethlisberger. I think they're going to play better without him, quite frankly. I really do. And I don't expect big things. I don't expect this to be a high-scoring game at the end of the day either. 
Next game up we want to talk about is the Saints and the Seattle Seahawks. Saints here going in without Drew Brees, got Teddy Bridgewater, and ooh. Okay, so what we have here, hold on. It's not really breaking news, so I'm not going to hit the breaking news drop here. But just to give you guys a quick update, I am getting word while uh, while this is going on that Cam Newton will be questionable and a game-time decision on Sunday. So what does that change real quick for what we talked about with the Carolina Panthers? I don't think it changes too much. At the end of the day, it was a good matchup. At the end of the day, you're going to want to play DJ Moore. You're going to want to play Greg Olson anyway. You're going to want to play Christian McCaffrey anyway. I think the only person it might change is Curtis Samuel. I think Curtis Samuel has a better chance to be more involved in the offense if Cam Newton is the one under center. But remember, it's still a game-time decision. We should know more Sunday morning. Make sure you're following me at MDSFFshow on Twitter. I'll make sure I have those up-to-date notifications for you as we go along Sunday morning. So I just wanted to get that out to you real quick as that just came across my desk, but not really breaking newsworthy. All right, so back to the Saints. So they got here. Teddy Bridgewater, expected to be the starter. I know there was some confusion, some talk, Sean Payton talking about, oh, do we know Taysom Hill's definitely not the starter. That was more coach speak. It had more to do with the fact that Teddy Bridgewater did not play very well when he came in for Drew Brees last week. So I think that had more to do with that than anything else. I expect Bridgewater to be better in this game. One, he's going to have a full week of practice going in as a starter. Two, I think he actually is a pretty competent NFL quarterback and will be a starter somewhere sooner rather than later anyway. And three, he's got good weapons. Look, they didn't lean on Alvin Kamara as much as they should have in that Rams game. I think that mistake will be corrected against, against the Seahawks here. They always have Michael Thomas. That'll help as well. Obviously, you're starting those two. Outside of those two, I don't know how you start anybody else. That includes Jared Cook. Jared Cook hasn't been good for the first couple of weeks. And now on the road in Seattle with Teddy Bridgewater as a quarterback, I don't know how you trust playing Jared Cook this week. I had him outside of my top 15 the last two weeks. He's been one of my bus candidates all season long. He's going to continue to be that for me going into this matchup. So outside of Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, I don't know how you play anybody else on the Saints. I do think Latavius Murray is going to have value still. A lot of people are talking, do I drop Latavius Murray? Now, Drew Brees leaving shouldn't really affect Latavius Murray's value. That's all game script dependent. That's all how they plan to attack the run. And before you say, like, well, without Drew Brees, aren't they going to be down a lot and have to throw a lot? Mm, no, not necessarily, especially early on in games. In fact, if anything, Sean Payton may go back to his old ways of, I want to try to be a ground and pound team, especially when I'm on the road. So I think Latavius Murray might get a decent amount of touches here. But the reason why I'm not going to play Latavius Murray, the reason why I don't have him ranked very high in this game is while I think he actually might get 10 or more carries in this game, the Seattle Seahawks are not an easy run defense. You can throw on them, which is why I think Kamara is going to get back on track as far as the passing game goes, but they're not an easy defense to be able to run the football on right now. And that's why I don't think Latavius Murray has a ton of value, but he's not somebody I'm dropping. I do think he's going to have value for you sooner rather than later after this matchup, but this is a tough matchup for him here. On the Seahawks side of the ball, you start your guys that you normally start. Russell Wilson has been a lower-end QB1, had a good game last week. Going up against the Saints, who outside of Marshawn Lattimore do seem to have some holes on that defense that you can attack. And so I suspect that DK, I think DK Metcalf's going to have a decent game here. The slot receiver always has a great match against the Saints. That's going to be Tyler Lockett here. So the two guys they go to the most in Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, I think, are going to have decent matchups. Now, Metcalf might see a little bit of Marshawn Lattimore, but at the end of the day, DK Metcalf is out there because you know he's going to get taken shots to. He's very much involved in the offense. He's definitely the second guy that Russell Wilson's going to want to go to as far as throwing the football goes. And it's really just those two at the end of the day. Will Disley, I know he scored twice last week. 
It's Will Disley. He's not somebody, A, I'm not playing him, but B, he's not somebody who's taking away targets from Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Those are who they're going to be able to throw the ball to when they look to throw the football. So I think Metcalf still has, I think they both have a floor that you can play them and sink your teeth into. I think DK Metcalf is at least a wide receiver three with upside. And Tyler Lockett, to me, I still have him rated as a higher end wide receiver two, especially in PPR leagues. In standard leagues, I have him more of a mid-level wide receiver two because I just, I don't have, you know, those targets and those catches don't mean as much. But in PPR PPR leagues, I have him as a as a top end wide receiver two guy. I think he's going to have a decent amount of volume. He has the best matchup out of anybody by far for the Seattle team. So I and he has the big play capability, and they're at home, which he always plays a lot better at home, especially with Russell Wilson playing a lot better at home too. So I do like them a lot. I think they're both startable pieces, and Tyre Lockett I think is a must start, but DK Metcalf I believe is startable too. Obviously, you're going to play Chris Carson. With him, the Saints' run defense isn't as good this year as it has been in years past. They're still a little bit banged up on that defensive line. But they're also not a great matchup either. They're kind of in the middle of the pack. So I don't think this is going to be a big game for Chris Carson. But at the end of the day, he's going to be utilized. He'll be a safe RB2 floor for you. So there's no reason to fret. And of course, you're going to start him. I'm not going to start Rashad Penny. He did get more involved last week. I think that's something we're going to have to see continue on a consistent basis before Rashad Penny is able to establish having flex value in his own right. But Rashad Penny is a must own, especially if you're a Chris Carson owner. You have to have Rashad Penny because we know Chris Carson is a second away from him getting injured. And then all of a sudden, Rashad Penny has all the work. And Rashad Penny is a better pass catcher. Yes, they've been trying to get Chris Carson more involved in that capacity. but And he's been able to catch the ball out of the backfield, sort of, where he you know, he actually makes the catch, but he can't make anybody miss. <laughs> he can't. He's, he's just not very good out in space. That's not the type of running back that he is. So while they are trying to get him involved in that way, and it's nice that he's getting those extra touches that he wasn't getting before, he's not doing a whole lot with them. So I wonder how long it's going to be before Rashad Penny does consistently be a guy who comes in in those situations and gets consistent work that way, which is what I expected from the get-go. But I guess they're pretty determined to try to get Chris Carson going so far. But after watching last week, Penny be effective. I wonder how long that's going to hold up. But we also know with the Seattle Seahawks, they have a tendency to flip-flop back and forth. So we're going to have to see some consistency before Rashad Penny can establish that. But in the meantime, Chris Carson's still an RB2. Next up, we have the Sunday night matchup. This should be a good one when we have the Rams and the Browns. Now, we have some interesting news that came out today, actually, that will affect fantasy, but not fantasy players. Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams, both got put on the injury report today for hamstring issues. They weren't on the injury report leading up until today. And it's, I think it's weird that it was both of them, which that in a way kind of makes me think that maybe it's not as bad as it may sound. But at the same time, both getting put on the injury report for hamstring issues on Friday after practicing in full the past two days is an interesting development. So keep your eyes on that. Not that it's going to dictate what you do as far as start-sit goes, because obviously you're going to play... Brandon Cooks. Obviously, you're going to play Robert Woods. Obviously, you're going to play Cooper Cup. So it doesn't really change as far as that goes, but it can change what your expectation may be able to be for those players. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As I'm just getting news that Marquise Brown was actually held out of practice today with a foot injury, but there's no expectation that Marquise Brown is going to miss the game. This just came across my desk as we were recording, so I figured I would tell you guys right now. It's the same thing that they have done the past couple of weeks, where the Ravens, instead of holding out guys on Wednesday, they seem to be holding out guys on Friday, right before, giving like an extra rest day, but everything should be good to go for him, and they've done the same thing with Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews should be good to go. Just to give you guys an update there as I came across my desk just now. Back to this game. So, yeah, my expectations for Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, especially if Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams don't play can go through the roof because I think the opportunities will be there for them to get that passing game going obviously you keep playing Todd Gurley he's been at least an RB2 for you he looks fine when he's had the ball you just know he's going to lose extra touches to Malcolm Brown Malcolm Brown does not have flex appeal he does not I know after week one people thought he might but week two proved what I was saying to you guys from the get-go which is Malcolm Brown wasn't put in to be the goal line back he just happened to be in on those series Todd Gurley came back. It was his series when they got in the red zone. He was given the goal line touchdown, and then he scored. So we're good there. Malcolm Brown's not the goal line guy. He's not the vulture. So you don't you can rest easy if you're a Todd Gurley owner in that sense. And Malcolm Brown doesn't have any flex appeal. However, if you're a Todd Gurley owner, you better own Malcolm Brown. Not only is he the clear-cut handcuff, but he's looked good. So if something were to happen to Todd Gurley, you know Malcolm Brown is going to have probably a pretty good pretty good ceiling and a pretty good floor. He's going to be an RB2 for you. So he needs to be owned. And he's another one of those guys that if he's available in your leagues right now, even if you don't have Todd Gurley, he's another one of those players that if you have a spot open on your bench, go ahead and pick him up and try to get ahead of the curve on that one. It's a nice little stinky thing to do. I like to do that on Sunday mornings. It's a big tidbit for you guys. Jared Goff, he's not as great on the road, but in a game which we could see a lot of points scored, Going against a Cleveland defense that, frankly, has been kind of disappointing to me. Now, I know what everybody's going to say. Like, oh, well, they played great. It was the Jets last week. I don't, I don't, I don't, the fact that they gave up a field goal should be embarrassing against the Jets right now. It was Luke Falk was in the game. Hurt Trevor Simeon in the first quarter. I don't care. I don't, I don't care. Cleveland defense has been disappointing at this point. And if that secondary is going to be hurt with Greedy and Denzel Ward, a lot of points could fly. And it's going to force Cleveland to have to push the ball down the field, too. But it's kind of the same deal with Cleveland. Now, we know David Njoku, broken wrist, concussion, definitely not going to play. Although, with the hit that he took when he fell down, it, it frankly, it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse. So, just thankful that he's all right in general, honestly. He's not going to play in this one. You start in your studs, though. Nick Chubb, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry. Um, Jarvis Landry's value will go up. Now that David Njoku is out too, because there's going to be more targets funneled towards them. Rashard Higgins is trying to make a comeback. He might play this week over Damian Ratley. He might be back. He's been practicing in limited capacity. All that really matters is how that opens up things for Landry and Beckham. Like Rashard Higgins himself obviously doesn't have any fantasy value, but how they utilize the, rec- the receiving core there, what things get kind of get opened up. Because Rashard Higgins is definitely a better receiver than Ratley is, so it might help open up Jarvis Landry a little bit. Um, because he's been the, he's been the real disappointment. Now the way they're using him has been you know an abomination in my book because they're using Jarvis Landry as some down the field threat and he's not. Like, use him when he does best in the slot. Let him run his option routes. 
I don't know why that's confusing, but like I said before, Freddie Kitchen's play calling has been very disappointing to me to this point. Plain and simple. He's not doing anybody any favors, including Baker Mayfield. But Mayfield's somebody you can start in this game. I do expect this game to have a lot of points in it. There's going to be a lot of opportunities. While I think the Rams' defense is pretty good, and I think there's a very good chance Baker throws probably at least two picks in this game, I still think he's going to wind up throwing for 300 yards and a couple touchdowns too. So I do think he's somebody you can start fantasy purposes just for nothing else, a volume standpoint, and being at home. And the fact that they're coming off of a win against the Jets on Monday Night Football where they did put up some points offensively. They did get you know Odell Beckham at least going. So they might be having a confidence and a step in the right direction. That can go a long way sometimes to get the ball rolling too. Remember, they're a team that didn't play a lot in the preseason, so they're still trying to knock some of the rust off. Week three might be a week where you can sign and see them be a little bit sharper. So I think you play Baker. You obviously play Nick Chubb, Odell, and I would start Jarvis Landry this week. So it's kind of clear cut. My expectations for them are a little more tempered. Except for Odell, I expect him to be a wide receiver one, but a little tempered on Nick Chubb, a little tempered on Jarvis, a little tempered on Baker Mayfield. But at the end of the day, I think you can start them. Now, last but not least, maybe least, we have the Monday night game. This this may be the least game. I don't I don't know. I thought Tennessee Jackson was going to be, but after watching that game last night, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. This this game this game could be the the game. The Redskins and the Chicago Bears. I mean, phew. If I'm Monday Night Football, i got to be sick of myself. There's got to be a way to flex these games out because there's no way you can sit there and put this game on tape and really think that it's going to go well as far as viewership goes. Thank God for fantasy football. So, (laughs) breaking down the fantasy value of this game. On Chicago's side, I like Allen Robinson. I like David Montgomery as a low-end RB, too. That, that's it. That's all. We're done. We're done with Chicago. I mean, look, at the end of the day, Tariq Cohen is not as involved. You can only play him in PPR leagues if you're even going to play him. And even then, against Washington Redskins, a Bears offense has looked absolutely terrible. I don't know how even confidence playing him. There hasn't been a number two wide receiver that's done a damn thing for the Chicago Bears. And Trey Burton just came back from injury last week and didn't do too much there. And I don't think he's going to do a whole hell of a lot this week. He definitely is not somebody you can definitely start with any kind of confidence. That's it. Mr. Trubisky's not stream worthy. He's been awful. Awful. I like Allen Robinson in this matchup. I don't I think Josh Norman, I think the name means more than the actual play at this point. He's just I don't think he's that good. He's done. He's washed up at this point. Allen Robinson is going to be the guy who gets targeted the most. I think he's due for a touchdown. It's been a couple, he's, you know, it's been first two weeks. He didn't get in the end zone, did go over 100 yards in the first game. I think he's going to get in the end zone this game. I have a good feeling he's going to be able to get in the end zone this game. It's a good matchup for him. That secondary against, uh, for the Washington Redskins, the defense in general for the Washington Redskins has been very bad to this point, which is a little bit surprising because I expect him to have a decent front seven, but that hasn't been the case, which is also why I think David Montgomery is going to do good. Look, he had 18 carries last week, and it's only going to stay you know consistent 18 to 20, I think, from week to week. I think they're going to have to try to lean on the run more, and David Montgomery is a very good player. So I think David Montgomery can start as your low-end RB2 this week, and you can feel pretty good about that in this matchup against the Washington Redskins. On the Redskins side of the ball, you have Terry McLaurin. Look, you're playing in Chicago. And while we still don't know the status of Jordan Reed, to this point, there's been no notable, noticeable update. So Jordan Reed might miss this game again. But even if he does, this would be the first week where I would say Vernon Davis isn't a streamability option after that. Because he, he's not. It, yeah, it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> like, you're going against Chicago Bears defense, which has been lights out 
the first two weeks. And it's a Redskins offense that doesn't really have the capability to do the one thing that could be the Chicago weakness, which is being able to spread them out. Use your speed against them. Get their linebackers out of the box. Make them get out of their base formation. The Redskins play into their hands as an offense because they're going to make them go base formation because the Redskins don't have the ability to spread teams out like that. Adrian Peterson, no way in hell I'm starting Adrian Peterson. Chris Thompson, I'm not going to want to. If I absolutely have to in a flex situation because I'm desperate for a floor play in PPR leagues, he might get five to six catches in this game. So he might have a floor. It might go for 15 yards because I don't know how far he gets after he catches the ball with those linebackers. But only scenario in which you could possibly play Chris Thompson. Terry McLaurin, because he's been on a hot streak, I understand the obsession. And we're actually going to have a few questions in the mailbag segment that are asking about Terry McLaurin. There's no way I'm playing him against Chicago. No way. Prince of Mukamura, with that pass rush with Case, against Case Keenum, I don't know how you play him with any confidence. I think he has a really low floor this particular week. I don't know how you play any Redskins with any confidence in this game. So I would actually stay away from the Redskins as a whole if I have the ability to do so. And hopefully you do. I would think that you do because nobody on this team was somebody that you drafted really high. And the only person that you might have drafted actually before the eighth round was Darius Geis and he's out anyway. So I think you should have better options and I would stay away from them in general. We're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side. we got the mailbag segment and then we'll close out the episode. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. As always, to close down the show, close down any of the preview episodes on Thursday and Friday, we have the mailbag segment, which is from the fans, from the listeners here who contact me on Twitter at MDSFFshow, on Facebook at MDFFshow, or email me directly through the website MDFFshow.com. So those are all the ways you can get in contact. All of your questions will always be answered by me. And then I like to select a few to put on the show and shout them out. Shout out the people who came to listen and show my appreciation that you are using me as your tool to help you win your games. Because at the end of the day, that's what I want. That's why I do what I do is because I want to help you win your matchups and eventually win a championship too. So first up today, our question from Victor. Email. He asks... Mixon, Cooks, Hyde, or McLaurin, like we talked about, in the flex. Now, he doesn't specify if this is a standard PPR, half-point PPR uh, league, but it doesn't really matter. Play Mixon. I know he had a bad week. I know he was banged up. But that doesn't mean you suddenly go away from the guy that you drafted at the top of the second round, especially if you're talking about the flex in this situation. Joe Mixon, they're going to be playing against the Buffalo Bills. Yes, it's a tough matchup. They're going to have to get him more involved. That offense, while has had a high volume throwing the football, has not scored a lot of points. 20 and then 17 last week. They're going to have to get Joe Mixon involved. The good news is that he practiced in full this week, so he does seem to be over that ankle injury that he didn't quite look 100% from last week. So he is expected to be good to go. He's expected to assume his actual actual, uh, work volume that you expect him to have. 
The offensive line is bad. I don't know how much running room he's going to have. I expect him to be more involved in the passing game. Joe Mixon is a hell of a player. You spent the draft capital on him. There's no way I'm playing these guys over him. Now, having said that, if there was one guy who I would consider playing, it would be Brandon Cooks. And that would be only if I had confirmation on Sunday before the 1 o'clock games kicked off. Because remember, that game's a Sunday night game, so you may not find out right away. But only if I had confirmation Sunday morning that Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams were not going to play. If they're going to be out because of their hamstring injuries that they got listed for on the practice report today, then I would maybe play Brandon Cooks because it could be open season in the Cleveland secondary when the Rams come to town. But even then, I would still play Joe Mixon in the flex. You have to. Fern asks from Facebook, John Brown, DJ Moore, Terry McLaurin, or Mike Williams. Well, first of all, you got some decent receivers to pick there from. And doesn't really specify this wide receiver two or flex, but doesn't really matter. It would be nice to know if this what this is another situation where it would be kind of nice to know what scoring format you're in, half point, full point, you know, standard, PPR, whatever. But I would say of this group, it depends on what you need. If you're a PPR league, I would play DJ Moore. It, especially if Cam is able to play, because we just got the update that he's questionable, game time decision. If he plays, I would play DJ Moore in a PPR league. If this is a half point or a standard league, I would lean towards John Brown or Mike Williams. And out of that, I would probably lean towards Mike Williams. John Brown's a great matchup against Cincinnati, but he's still more of a home run flyer threat because Josh Allen could still have a day where he just can't hit the broadside of a barn and can't hit his wide receivers. So, Avoiding that situation where Mike Williams has Philip Rivers, who we know is very good, and he's got a great matchup against Houston in a game that he's due for a touchdown. So I do think you can go to Mike Williams in this matchup. So that's where I would lean there. So if it's PPR, I would still stick with DJ Moore. But if you're in half point or if you're in standard, I would probably go with Mike Williams out of that scenario. Next up, we have Tina. Twitter asks, Lindsay Tyrell Williams or Terry McLaurin. All three of these questions have Terry McLaurin in them. I know he had a good match. I know against Dallas was a tough matchup and he had a good game here. You're playing with fire with Terry McLaurin. That's, that's why I brought that up because I don't I don't know how you play any Redskins against the Chicago Bears. I don't. I, their offense just plays into their hands too much. Terry McLaurin's not a play for me this week, guys. He's just, he's just not. He's going to be a play for me for a lot of other weeks. He's going to be the number one wide receiver on that team. They're going to have better matchups. But just because he scored a touchdown against the Cowboys doesn't mean he's matchup proof. Which is just blowing my mind the amount of Terry McLaurin questions I had this week. And it indicates to you by the mailbag segment, all three of them, Terry McLaurin was in them. So it's between Lindsey and Tyra Williams for me. Tyra Williams is not an option. Going against Xavier Rhodes on the road in Minnesota. I don't think that Oakland Raider offense is going to do a whole hell of a lot, quite frankly. I think that Minnesota defense is going to tear him up. So at the end of the day, to me, this is a no-brainer. It's Philip Lindsey. You saw what the running game in Minnesota was able to do against the Green Bay Packers. I don't, while I have a, definitely have a better defense, I don't believe the Green Bay Packers' run defense is going to prove to be in the top 10 at any point this season. I think there is a defense you're going to be able to run on. 
I think the Broncos need to get right. I think Philip Lindsay, it was the speed that killed him against Dalvin Cook. Philip Lindsay has that similar type of speed, a similar type of quickness. I do think Philip Lindsay has his best game so far of the season. Now, obviously, that's not saying too much because week one and week two weren't great, but I do think he's able to come back, have a really good game this week. He's definitely something we're starting to flex, and he's going to catch the ball a decent amount in this game, too. So he has a good floor for you, and I think he can expect him to get back to having a Philip Lindsay type ceiling in this matchup. So I do like him a lot there. That's going to close down the mailbag segment. I hope you guys all enjoyed this episode. Of course, I will not be back. I actually am not going to be back until Tuesday. I am going to be a little. I'm going to be away a little bit this weekend, so I'm not going to be around to record Sunday night to have your episode out by Monday. So the recap, the first recap for the Sunday afternoon game is going to come out on Tuesday. Because it's going to come out on Tuesday, instead of waiting for the Sunday night, Monday night football recap to have the waiver wire segment on, I'm going to put the waiver wire segment on the same episode as the Sunday afternoon games recap. And then on Wednesday, I will have, we're going to see what happens on Wednesday. I actually might put everything in the one episode. I haven't decided yet. It'll either be Wednesday. We'll have the Sunday night, Monday night recap, or I'm just going to do the entire week three recap with the waiver wire segment all on Tuesday. Now, obviously if we do that. I'm going to have to have an abbreviated analysis than I normally have for you guys for the recap and have to kind of quickly go through and just hit highlights for you. Um, you know me, I like to go in depth in a lot of stuff, but if I do put everything in the one episode, I'm going to have to abbreviate that a little bit, but we'll see what happens. Make sure you're following me on Twitter and on Facebook at MDSFF show for Twitter at MDFF show for Facebook. I will let you guys know what it is going to happen. There will definitely be an episode on Tuesday. There will not be an episode on Monday. That's what we know for sure right now, exactly to what the contents will be. I will make sure I tweet that out to you. So you guys know what's coming on Tuesday. If it's all going to be one episode or not, which is tending to lean towards that way as of now just to get all the information out to you and stay on schedule so i hope you guys all have a successful week three remember i'm going to still be around while i'm going away i'm still not going to be unaccessible to you guys make sure you're texting me your questions make sure you're getting to me whatever whatever fantasy dilemmas that you may have for this week and make sure you're following me for all the player news update notifications they'll be coming out all around the weekend as well um yeah, so that pretty much wraps that up. Make sure you check me out on one of my networks, Overtime Heroics, Unwrap Sports, Belly Up Sports. All my great peers doing a lot of great work there for the NFL season too. And I hope you guys have a lovely weekend. Good luck in your matchups. I hope you guys are winning by listening to this show. And I'm going to see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 